Hello and welcome to SDC, uh, the Surviving Danger Close podcast going live on Super Bowl Sunday Sun- for those that aren't Sunday, watching. Sunday, Sunday. Sorry, sorry, I can't, I can't say that. I can't say that. Those watching the final NFL game, or for those of us not watching the final NFL right. game. You should use, use your mixer and throw out the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Is it ready? And right, now he's going to show off. Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> We're getting advanced here. Oh, good. Because I did. can't hear it, it when I do this. It did. Yeah, it, did. it sounded real Excellent. good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I know there's something on. I just, when, when you haven't watched a game in though, two years. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Kinda, yeah. So hopefully yeah. we have friends out there joining us tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have, uh, I'll watch the, the commercials tomorrow on YouTube when they're done. But, and I'll, yeah, are, are they going to be even any good? Watch for anyway. Hey, that's about the only reason I ever watched the Super Bowl. I already I mean, told you what one commercial that I, I get like tear jerks me, you know, the, uh, Paralympian. She's, yeah. She was born in Siberia mm-hmm. with, uh, she had, a, she was born with legs, but she had a, uh, a, a some sort of disorder. They had to amputate both her legs below the knees. And uh, she was adopted by an American family. And Toyota, I believe, is the one doing the yep. commercial. Real real tearjerker. It's a good one. Probably already. All right. Favorite. I'll skip over that one then tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Let's skip it. Hold on. Toyota, I'm out. All right. Well, okay. Nick oh. Saken, good evening. All right. Uh, well, I see Stryker didn't come no, back. No, he. So. Uh, he he decided to go out with the kids. They they were more fun. They probably have fun yeah. sitting in here. Food. Uh, yeah, they probably had <laughs> food. Or they're dropping food. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. exactly. So today uh, we're going to cover what happened yesterday for John and I. Um, we went in and I did a uh, full shift with them. Minus, I think I was like five, six minutes late in the beginning. Um, I, was, I was so deeply hurt <laughs> by that. Like... I, I I mean, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. You know? Yeah. As to I'm be on time is to be late, and to be early is to be on time. <laughs> oh, I would text late me, on all hey, accounts. I'll be late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I was giving you a chance to warm up the car. It, it, buddy, that was a cold day. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, today was just as cold. I oh, you I know. Out. I stayed inside. Just got the fire going. It's nice. Um, But. Oh, your cat made a an appearance. I see there, Jared. Yeah, yeah, she's hanging out up here for for a little bit. We'll so I'm really, really hoping that's a book on Jared's desk and not an outline. Yeah, definitely not an outline. No, no outlines this time. I, Good evening, Amanda. No, so. Oh, hey, Amanda. Um. So yeah. So yesterday we did a ride along, and uh, um. It was a pretty good day, John. I'd say right. it was got a little hectic, but that's well. We uh, were able to we were able to show you kind of from beginning to end how our little inner circle uh, communicates, and you know he got to uh, see our dispatch center from afar and got a brief uh, explanation of yep. how that's ran. Um, so he did meet uh, Miss Amanda yesterday, um, the voice on the other end that I talked to periodically usually yell at and then we send it on like an apology text <laughs> afterwards but yeah <laughs> she she at least knows that like i'm not mad at her i'm just mad at the crap she's giving me yeah yeah if only she could screen the calls a little better 
Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. That's been a complaint of the, never mind. Just don't say that. Okay, we'll scratch that out of the pot now. <laughs> right. I'm just saying that's an outsider saying that. <laughs> yes. I, I'm he saying that from a, a veteran civilian vantage point with no <laughs> let's see, what what did you pay me to say without yeah, yeah, stop, uh, stop. Sh- sh- <laughs> mute your mic. <laughs> Um, no, but it was nice to see how everything works. And, um, I mean, we had, uh, <clears throat> some interesting times with dispatch. Well, before um, we get to sat back and laugh before we get too far into it though. So, so what I did write in the notebook that you guys were making fun, uh, <laughs> before we start talking about the right, right along, right, I did right. have some questions before Go for we it. started. So like, uh, so John, what are the what are some of the first things that people need to do if they wanted to do a ride along or even on from the officer standpoint uh, before getting somebody to come in and do a ride along? And then uh, how often do you guys get people to come okay. with you? I'm, I didn't want to say the word ride along again or else it's just right. Right. right I think it's Roland. You could have said Roland, 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 not to be confused with Steve, but anyway, um, so if, if someone is interested, um, generally we try and limit the ride-alongs to um, those that are interested in becoming law enforcement, whether it be dispatch, uh, an officer, or even a corrections officer. Um, they can, uh, and some of our ride-alongs are kind of put on hold right now because of the COVID thing, um, but with special uh, persuasion, Dustin was allowed to ride with me. Um, so I, I just called them my brother, and they were like, oh, okay, we're within distance of each other. You're fine. So, <laughs> uh, And I also upgraded to a larger Tahoe instead of my little Explorer because that would have been tight between both of us and a computer in his lap. So, you know, I tried making them comfortable. But seriously, if, if someone was interested. On you and you're, you're yeah, right. Right. yeah, it was well away. <laughs> well, Mike, all right. So side note, all right, I'll get to your question in just a minute. So, um some of our, uh, all of the dispatchers throughout their hiring process and their training, they they are required to do ride-alongs with us um, so that they can hear what their counterparts or their trainer sounds like from, from our end. So it gives them a perspective of like, okay, he needs to hear this, this, and this, and this is what it sounds like on his end. This is why he's asking me, is there history at this address? Is there, you know, kind of that kind of stuff. Um, it may seem like we're picking apart or trying to get more information. It's because I, I need more. You're not giving me enough. So it gives them an opportunity to experience that. Uh, and then there are some people in some fancy blue cars and nice uniforms that um, expect them to just like type the whole report for them with all the details. <laughs> so, just kidding, my guys. Just kidding. Um, so, you know, um, they do have that experience, but with the whole computer thing, and, and my car is meant to be a one-person car uh, on day shift, so my computer is is arranged or or bolted in a way that, um, like, when I do have a dispatcher, particularly females, I have to, like, usually, like, throw a disclaimer out there, like, I'm sorry, we're going to be uncomfortably close. <laughs> so if... <laughs> we hit a bump if 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 my hand falls off the keyboard i apologize right 
Um, so I had to give Dustin that same thing, and he he grabbed my wrist and tried forcing me. But it was it was weird. But you know, we just went with it. Um, but uh, okay, back to your question. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, anyone that's become interested in becoming a law enforcement pr uh, officer or a dispatcher uh, or a corrections officer, they are allowed to do ride-alongs. Um, they are by a strict kind of a one-on-one -on -one, uh, criteria. They fill out a, a waiver and uh, and an application, and we just do a brief. Um, criminal history check on the person just to make sure you know they don't have outstanding warrants uh or Glad something like that. that last one right thanks for turning yourself in um <laughs> but uh you know um and then they're allowed to do the ride-alongs and they don't need to fill out that paperwork every time they want to do one um they once it's done it's done and they can do that one of the other things that we offer uh, is with our law enforcement program for high school students, juniors and seniors out at our local tech center, um, Steve Rowland is the instructor out there. And we try and expose kids that are in, interested in law enforcement to different avenues. Because when we think law enforcement, we think just street cops, right? Um, but ultimately, you know, you have uh, DHHS with Child Protection Services, you have dispatch, you have corrections, you have, you know, the DNR, you have adult probation, parole. There's many different avenues that one can go down. So we try and, and get the kids um, opportunities to see all of those offices um, just so that they know it's not just like, oh, I can only be a cop. You know, in in as much as kids like to uh, text and and work with computers, they never really think about dispatch. And and Dustin, how many computer screens were they looking oh, at at one Lord. time? Um, <laughs> six, I think. Right, Amanda? I think it was six. But geez, the the way that they switched from screen to screen to screen was very impressive. Right. Um. Yeah, I had never seen any type of dispatch before, and to see how. Um, I believe Amanda was taking the calls uh, for the short yep. time we were there, <clears throat> dropping off the paperwork. Was it, it was watching her take the call, and that popped up over on the other screen. And then she, the other lady, was Allison. In charge Allison was in charge of dispatching whatever unit was there, and just the the mental know how. I mean, if you get confused or flustered very easily. Okay, uh, the yellow line right here is not for you. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, um, they dispatch. Okay, I'm not going to mention your county or anything or where you work or whatnot, but there was... We can probably say it, at least... It's, it's a pretty small rural county, though. Maybe. Yeah, it, it is a rural county. But you I, have I believe county. we have eight, 816 square miles. And they not only dispatch for local municipalities that have their own police departments, but they also cover, um, obviously, ch sheriff's departments. Uh, they also mm -hmm. cover state police units as well as EMS and fire. Um, so they do have their hands full, and it, it is a challenging yeah. job. And it's at least what I heard of throughout the day, if I remember correctly, there's at least eight or nine different uh mmr or ems mm -hmm. call outs so mm -hmm. i mean that i can think of and right just to keep all of that straight i mean uh, i'll get into well, this a little bit later but there was one two three four at least six critical incidences going on at the same time 
And right. I don't know how many times I ask you, okay, which one's this about? Rick, I mean, you're, which by the way, congratulations, what, your 13 years are today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. So uh, thank you. today is my anniversary day. Yep. And um, I was constantly, okay, what, what's that call for? Now you've got all the different numbers and call signs all memorized. And so that was my confusion. And their voices. And their voices. Um, so like if I miss their call sign, I'd be like, oh, hey, that's, yeah, that's Carla, you know? Um, so, yeah. But yeah, dispatch, just to keep all that. And then to take another call while you're finishing that one up and be able to prior prioritize to say, okay, I can still finish this one up because this is a, I think there was a dog that was found when we were there. And somebody found a dog was dropping off somewhere. And just the different people coming in and the different avenues. Yeah, it really opened my eyes as far as dispatch is that that's concerned. And, you know, I always knew they were important, but I didn't know how hard that was to keep straight. Sure. And I've ran in the military side. I ran uh, uh, mm -hmm. the radio with the talk uh, tactical operations command or center. And so, I mean, I've got a little bit of experience in that, but nothing, you know, Pretty much, if you have one unit that's in contact, all the focus goes to that unit, and the rest of them stay with their company. Mm -hmm. Well, dispatch here with your organization, they don't have that. They're running the fire. They're running the EMS. They're putting you guys where you need to be. And then you got people calling in that are just coming into the area, drive passing through, and they've got to track that. Yep. So I apologize if I missed part of your question. Jared, what was uh no i think you got it i mean and how often uh how often you get our uh ride-alongs and oh, so no okay. I, you got, so, I think you got my question okay yeah all right very good so my the what other question, you got? i only wrote down two things so i wrote down that question for you john uh -huh. and uh for justin i want to know what your uh, preconceived ideas were about what was going to happen if you can uh, remember before it started without okay um tainting I, you know, I did the usual, I felt like I had to do the usual questions, um, to John of, you know, can I, can I shoot the taser? Can I, you know, and I, uh, which gun can I take? You know, I guess I, I felt like I had to ask those questions. Um, I've never been on a ride along before, but I've talked to a lot of law enforcement in many different States about it. And they're always like, just, you know, if you ever do a ride along, no, you can't touch the gun. No, you can't play with the radio and what was the one thing i told you you the could orange touch button there yeah. you go i still remember that what, yeah what was the orange button um the yeah. orange button let me see if i've got this explanation right oh. um yeah that was the ejection sheet if i've had enough i'm out no <laughs> um he said if, if things hit the fan uh you hit that orange button and that orange button basically over goes over top of any other communication at that time because basically it's what uh what i would call a tick a troops in contact mm -hmm. uh shots fired or you know medical em extreme medical emergency i would assume um and stuff like that and um so yeah that orange button was there he pointed to where it was at and uh, we were serving papers and the first stop he went to i says i'll have my finger hovering over the <laughs> no don't don't <laughs> Too close, too close, too close. <laughs> right. Um, what I should have said for my dispatch friends was, when you press this button, turn the channel knob so you hit all of them. <laughs> <laughs> they, dispatch loves that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, what that does is locks the yeah, channel. I'm, I'm watching though. I'm watching for Amanda to jump in there. Right. We've got that delay. There it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> it Said sounds it like Amanda lives. has a story about that, so we may have to get her on and ask her some stories. Uh, <laughs> oh, Nick asked, Let's is that Amanda's favorite button? <laughs> uh, it's every dispatcher's favorite button, and let's just say not everyone is really cognizant of where that button is located, oh, no. and so there are some people... Uh, like Suzette <clears throat> that hits the button like five times in a shift. Is this a oh, no. <laughs> personal story here or? <laughs> oh, not, uh, you know, <laughs> knock on wood. I have never hit that button. Not even, not even on purpose. Amanda tomorrow. <laughs> she's going to hit it. Oh, wait, you're yeah, off tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I am off tomorrow. Well, I will not be. If I hit that button, it will be an emergency. I promise right. you. <laughs> um, no, but I didn't go in with any. Like, okay, what to expect? Um, yeah, it, it's like any other day. You never know what's going to happen. You don't, yeah. Um, we, <laughs> I know we interacted with a certain individual, and I did ask him, not quite what you woke up to plan to do today, was it? And uh, <laughs> he, he was not planning to get into that big of an accident. Um, oh, my wife says she's. Loved, she would love to hear from a female first responder or dispatcher. Amanda, you're it. There you go. Um, sorry. We're, we're nominating you. you. You're already, Amanda, you're already trying to hire Dustin, so we're going to hire you to come in. I mean, Wait. Same, at, at the same thing that we get paid, which is Don't worry about to come in. Yeah, because Dustin. you pay attention, you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, right. I just saw that. Okay. In, Amanda. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so I have to ask: Were you hoping for like a pursuit and lights and sirens and hanging no. out the window like a dog and <laughs> wee -woo, wee -woo. no? Know that. What's that movie with the Bigfoot that sticks his head out the window? Uh, uh, Harry and the yeah, Hendersons. Yeah, Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we got our first first female dispatcher coming on. Amanda said deal, so we'll let you set that up, John. Oh. Um, thanks. <laughs> Hey, in order for me to talk to her, I have to hit nine one one, and I don't think they'll appreciate if I try to get her on the podcast on the well, nine one one. I think she talk, oh. talked to Jules before, so it might be all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she has talked to my wife. That was covered in the first episode, so if you need to go back and listen to that, go for it. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, what was the what was the next? No, the uh, the notions that I had, I wasn't really. I was kind of hoping we didn't have anything heavy that you know pursue or something like that um just because i know with the roads and everything they were yesterday um i didn't want you know i know people go in and they want to you know hit 110 and have the lights and sirens going and uh um <laughs> oh boy amanda alive oh yeah she's used to being live that's uh, she's Wait, live what? every every day right <laughs> um so I, I was kind of hoping for a boring day because then that meant, you know, everybody's going home. Um, and it started off slow, um, which, you know, everybody was still recovering from the night before, uh, I was assuming. And then all of a sudden, we got call for service for an accident in one location. Everybody was fine. And as we're clearing that one, I don't even think the tow truck was out of our way before... We got the second call. Well, or you had they just left. Cleared. The fire department still had the road. 
Yeah, the fire department was just opening the road yeah. back up. And uh, um, so it just cleared. We got a call for a rollover. Mm-hmm. And we're on our way there. We found out one certain road we weren't going to take because uh, lights and sirens were going, but we were doing like, what, 40 because of the conditions. Right. Um, right. And I was actually, the thing that shocked me the most was how much people did not get out of your way. And then when I mentioned that, I was like, man, that guy is not pulling over. He's not slowing down, nothing. He just keep going. And you said that that was more common than you'd like to admit. Absolutely. And the, even today. Yeah. Even today I had the same same problem. And, you know, when my daughter's, um, my youngest daughter started driving, I, I harped on her. You know, look at your rear view mirrors. Look at your side mirrors. The whole world is not mm-hmm. always in front of you. Mm-hmm. You have to look behind you. And and I think a lot of it has to deal with people are distracted, either with passengers, um, obviously on the phone. I mean, there's countless times. Yeah, you know, and they just never look behind them and, and don't see, um, you know, flashing lights or hear the siren behind them. And, in fact, that happened this morning. Uh, my lieutenant was working with me, and and uh, he followed a car for several miles with lights and sirens to the point that now I'm I'm coming his direction because we're not really sure. Like, is this guy intentionally not stopping, oh. or is he just old or ignorant and doesn't see him? Well, that, it was the latter too. But uh, yeah, that's that's something that's always on your mind because. I have been in low speed pursuits where somebody's like, you know, 32 mile an hour and it's like, all right, this is unusual. And you're just waiting, you know, you're calling out your speeds and you're calling out your locations and you're just waiting for them to stop and bail out. Cause you know, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, if they're doing a hundred, well, they're not stopping real quick. And, and, uh, you know, they're not certainly not going to bail out. Um, but when they're doing them slow speeds, Yes, Paul, you are old, buddy. I do miss you, though. Um, just comments from Mr. <laughs> Strauss or Strauss. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. It was a well, good day. Well, even yesterday. the one that got me was there's two vehicles. I remember um, one was actually headed to the first accident, the first call for service, and then one was uh, on headed to the second one, where it was oncoming traffic. And I remember specifically one was a dually and just no, didn't slow down. Nothing, you know, guys that are listening out there are not first responders. Please get out of the way. If you see them, you know, I can, I can understand if you're, you're not paying attention or whatnot and don't look behind you. I've done that on accident. Didn't mean to. And then all of a sudden here goes the cop by me. Um, But if you can see them, just slow down. Yeah. Even if you just slow down and pull over a little bit, just give them that extra room. Even like I pointed out to you, the car that just could not wait for oncoming traffic and had to hurry up and make his turn. Oh yeah, as we're coming yeah. at him, and it's like really seriously, you're gonna pull out in front of me. But uh, especially all right, that's with cool. the roads that day, um, I could see that guy kind of you know if he fishtailed at all. I mean, we weren't going I mean, fast at all because of the road conditions. Right. But you know, just to pull out, just so you could pull out, slow down. I, I you know, you just gotta think. I do believe. I do believe I got Jared scared for a moment. There was a, there was a truck that wasn't pulling over with a horse trailer. 
And when he finally realized, oh crap, there's a cop car behind me, and he started to pull yeah. over, he that the truck kind of lost it a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we didn't have much room. There. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Well, that put my name in instead of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He was in my mind. You call him Paul. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, actually, he's on the top screen though, so it's like I'm looking at him because, like, you're behind me on my screen, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But uh, you know, yeah, Dustin was like, you know, because he was on his side, so it was all right. But I mean, (laughs) he signed the waiver. That's what the waivers are for. The waiver is that's right. death, dismemberment, um, that's paper right. cuts to bullets. You know, it, yes, it, it's right. okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but it was like, like for me, um, can I mention what we were doing in the morning? I don't know how. I'm not going to give it going to specifics. Well, you mentioned it briefly, and, and what we were doing is, is our office um, is tasked with serving subpoenas. Right. Um, and personal service subpoenas for court cases or criminal matters or even uh, like child support that, now, uh, type things. That's to, typical of a uh, office your size to it, to serve subpoenas. Yeah. Like that? yes, okay. The county especially yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. Generally, we handle our own cases. Um, we serve our own case paper, you know, paperwork. Um, and each each law enforcement agency kind of serves their own. So, and I thought it yeah. was interesting to me. And I'll make I want to go back to this later. So, Jared, don't let me forget. Um, you were as we we're going down. You were sitting there and you were pointing out. Oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. That happened at that house. And I want to get right. into that more later. People, but hate it was that. like you were just driving. By the way, what? People hate that. By the way, by people I mean my family. <laughs> Well, that's what I wanted to get to as well. But that again, that'll be later. Um, but we're just serving the papers, making our stops, um, and then all of a sudden, call for service comes in. And I remember you putting the papers down, putting them aside, and saying, "Well, we'll see if we'll get to that later." And, and it didn't kind of, you know, the I didn't have the crystal ball to see how the rest of the day would go, but I did see. You know, I was like, "Okay, you know, well." I, I knew the location for call for service. I, I knew where that was at. It was a road I frequently travel. And it's like, well, I mean, it's not too far away. And then we got there, and then it was just like the rest of the day disappeared. And, and I mean, it was like that. Um, you had a stack you were serving, yes. and I think we got through six or seven. Yep. And you were surprised it was that much. Yep. And... <clears throat> So then we hit that call for service, took care of everything. Everybody was okay. Got the next call for service. We took off after that. And then dispatch rerouted us to another call for service. And it was neat. It was more severe. It was neat how they just smoothly transitioned. And it was like, you know, we had our own questions on it. Or I did, I mean. And I I, kind of questioned because I knew the locations. (laughs) Um. And I was like, okay, you know, what's something, whatever. But it was just transition, and I saw how it was, okay, dispatch sees the larger pictures, basically what you went on. Uh, you checked, made sure that, yes, you're, you know, you're, you know, I'm not going to give your call sign or anything, but you checked with your call sign and said, I just want to confirm that you are routing us to, and then they affirmed, and it was the other car took over top. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, that was it. 
and then you went on. We went to the call for service, pulled up. Now the accident looked a lot worse than what right. the injuries or lack of injuries came to. Um, I was expecting a lot more severe, and then so we when, called. When you up, get there. Were you? Did you get out of the car? Or do you stay in the car, Dustin? Uh, for the the serving the papers, I stayed in, and then at the accident. Uh, once it was cordoned off on each side, um, John was like, okay, it's safe. Come on out. And then, you know, and I always asked him before, uh, cause he has a lot more, his finger, you know, 13 years now is a lot better on the pulse than I have where, yeah, I can sense danger, but he can sense the danger in any situation as we're driving up to it. Cause this is what he does. So it was just, I kind of looked to him. He goes, yep. And, uh, so then we get there, and he looks at me, motions me to back off, and he opens the door of the MMR vehicle, the mobile medical response. That's what's, Is that what it is? Yep. Yep. yep, mobile medical response unit that was there ahead of time to assess the situation. And he calls the uh, driver by his first name. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to back off because I don't know. You know, I saw him kind of motion me back. And I stuck near the, the grill of the car. Um, and then they handled it. And it was just everything was handled. I mean, I got to see um, certain steps that you see on cops all the time. Uh, I can't go into detail because. Okay. You, you can say it. We. Um, field sobriety. Ultimately. Yep. Yep. We did some field sobrieties. I had some probable cause to believe that there was a crime afoot. And so we did some standardized field sobriety tests. And, um, you know, if you're on a traffic stop with an officer and he, you know, he or she asks you to, you know, participate in those, just participate yep. in them. You know, if it's one of those adages, if you have nothing to hide, who cares? Just do it. Mm -hmm. Get on your way. And uh, for the most part, this, this gentleman was compliant and cooperative. And... Um, you know, once he was medically cleared, you know, obviously we were concerned because of the vehicle crash and things like that. But uh, the subject was lodged uh, for an offense. Um, so Dustin was able to see now that end of the process uh, intake at the county jail. You know, the precautions that they take not only with the COVID yep. um, screening the, the now suspect or the, the inmate now as they come in, but also... Dustin had to get screened mm -hmm. because now he's coming into the building, you know, temperature checks and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was, you know, he got to see everything from dispatch to patrol to, you know, arrest and lodging. Yeah. And the, the so, individual, was, it was, it was a good day. Fairly compliant. Um, you know, <clears throat> it was neat to see the process and that, you know, again, uh, John, and I talked before we came live that, you know, I know what I can't share but it was neat to see the, the process start to finish and all the intricacies as well as how well um, other agencies came in to support. And it was like we saw one guy, MMR, was at one scene, and then he took off before us once it, everybody was secure and the ambulance left. His job was done. Um, what was his role again, MMR sup supervisor? Yeah. Yeah. So – We'll just call him Dave. Dave, not Steve. No. <laughs> okay. Dave. Like Dave. Okay. And uh, so then Dave was at the the next one, and he was already had yeah. the vehicle and assisted with the the individuals getting out, and it was like okay, we were tied up for, you know, a good 
good minute or two um, yeah. <laughs> mostly most of the day on this particular call and all the the intricacies about it and it was like okay so then your other team uh, the other car just kind of said okay mm -hmm. well we know we've got it and I guess they stayed centrally located until they were able to uh, they had their own issues and then another uh, I believe it was state came on and they yep. came on well we actually called them back from another county since our county doesn't have our own troopers they oh, share that's them right. with yep. other counties so so we were getting swamped pretty good so they actually called one or two back uh to give mm -hmm. a hand so that we could maintain and coverage. i saw how so, yeah. dispatch also knew that another city was close and re mm -hmm. requested that uh even though it was beyond their jurisdiction just to secure oh. the area yep. Um, so that was really neat to see how, um, and, and how that worked out. And, you know, I went there to see what your job was. I mean, we talk about first responders, we talk about all this, but I've never been on a ride along. I say, no, we need to fix that. And once yep. we got the approval, I was stoked, but I didn't realize, you know, yeah, we've, you know, I've dealt with corrections, EMS, nurse firefighters police military but it was the dispatch that completely surprised me you know and i guess it shouldn't have but how intricate their role is you know mm -hmm. they're your lifeline more than i when really they're having a bad day when they're having a bad day oh yeah we're having a bad day because it it, it comes through the radio Le legitimately if they're i mean we all have days where we're off right when they're off, for whatever reason, they have personal lives as well. Um, it affects all of us because they may, well, you know, one for one instance, and I'm not dogging on any dispatcher, but uh, when we were going to our second call, right, for, for our second crash, four agencies were dispatched, and each agency got a different description of what we were going to. Oh. So, you know, you know, it's, it's something that um you know as i as we were going along i was trying to talk to to dustin about like well you know me personally i scan all my radio channels because that's why someone may get a little bit more information because it's pertinent to them not necessarily me but that helps fill in part of my puzzle so that i kind of know what's going on um because you know it when this when this call came out it sounded really bad you know i mean like they're checking weather for a helicopter you know they're paging out a, a fire department for a landing zone and i'm like oh shoot yeah. <laughs> you know like my day is gonna get really bad was the one and it turned were, out to be just uh, routed to yeah. right that's when you're talking about yeah yeah Yep. And then I was just kind of like, at the end of it, I was like, okay, it went from really yeah. bad to just like, eh, bad. <laughs> so varying degrees of bad, I guess, you know. Um, but probably one of the coolest things, and, and I don't know how many people think about it, but hopefully um, Dustin was able to see it from his seat. But when I go from serving papers, I'm meeting people that I have either never met uh, or people that I oh, have, yeah. like the one house, when I'm like, oh, hey, so-and-so lives here. Um, I find that, you know, people really only have a couple interactions with police. Mm -hmm. And they're generally bad, mm -hmm. right? They're generally, um, you called for, you know, you called for help or someone called for help. And, and now you might be in trouble. 
um, or you know you committed a traffic violation and now we're pulling you over and giving you a citation so really people kind of do have a bad outlook on police that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day about how I think we need to revamp some of our policings but uh, when we went from from crash scene to crash scene or whatever we were doing um, I hope and I pride myself on this because I really do have a crappy memory, but I never forget faces. Um, I hope that you were able to pick up, um, like, when we arrived on the first crash scene and I was talking with the fire chief by first name, you know, uh, the you asked me about her or, orange helmet oh, yeah. and I explained what her role was. And I was able to, you know, razz her a little bit about her finally new car since 1988, <laughs> not being so cheap. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> And Hungry Howie's Pizza is pretty good, but anyway, maybe not as good as Pizza Hut. Um, and, uh, you know, the other scene, Dave and the the, the young lady, Suzette, you know, I, I'm able to talk to all these people from all these different organizations by first name. You know, part of it's because we're rural, but the other part of it is is because we have each other's back out there. We work with each other, obviously, almost every day, and I really try and work hard for these other agencies, you know, whether it be a lift assist or someone's having a heart attack, and, and I know that I'm closer before a, an ambulance can get there, um, or I've, this has happened several times where someone's having a stroke, so there's a couple little tests that you can do, you know, judging the strength of their, you know, their, both their arms, or, you know, do you witness drooping in the face and there's a little phrase that we have them say to see if they can speak uh, speak correctly you know are those big things no they're not they're really minuscule in fact dispatch does a lot of it over the phone but if there's someone there that can relay live information to the ambulance that's responding that helps significantly all right does that make yeah, sense? and it, and it's All somebody right. that knows what to say over the radio, not somebody that is just seeing their emotional. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be emotional when you're calling nine one one. If you're dialing nine one one, you're already you're emotional, emotional already. because there's something there. <laughs> uh, but to get somebody, you know, like a, a law enforcement or some sort of first responder there that can say, "Hey, this is the code we're looking at. This is what we're we're seeing." Uh, we're on station and not and looking at the larger picture picture and not have that tunnel vision as to the one thing that everybody else is looking at um, Now I do have to commend dispatch. I can't say much about it. There was a major event that happened yesterday and they did a tragic great event. job tragic event um, they did a great job in my opinion that they were still able to support every unit there get people in and out, uh, rotate people in that needed it, and get the right people there. And yet still, and this is two people in that dispatch, right? Two people yeah. are handling a tragic event as well as a dog complaint, as well as, uh, um, oh, what was the one? M-O-D-P. M-D-O-P, okay. Malicious destruction of private a property, yep. um, MDOP of something else that you know. With this one event on, they 
in my mind, they would have been full well to be like, "You really? You're calling about this? Yeah, we'll get to it later." No, call, they handled call, call it back later. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> but they still handled it, still did their job, and was able to still keep that tragic event their priority, but still do their job with everything else. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that just whoop, just ripped my mic out of my ear. Um, that was one thing that. I was so impressed with hearing that all come over and then how everybody, you know, we, we were with, uh, um, uh, another two police officers that were supporting you and to hear everybody in that, that, that thing saying, um, everybody just stopped what we were talking about, joking around about whatever and listened. And then you guys kind of translate some of the codes and stuff to me, but everybody was just right there. Like, Oh man, this is what they're going to expect. This is, and everybody you could tell wanted to be there to help, but knew their job was here. And yeah. And that's, that, that is a part, a tough part of it. Yeah. And, um, it was, it, it was a nice one. Now the one that I want to get back to is, um, yeah, I'm not going to give away where you live or work, but you're in the community. Yeah. I mean, a veteran goes off. We go off, especially a combat veteran like myself. We go, we see our own conflicts, our own trauma, but then we come back. And, you know, <laughs> we're in Michigan. There's a couple inches of snow out. I don't exactly have a trigger for uh, sand or heat because we don't have that right now it's it's february it's freaking cold i think it was zero today with a high of 10 um and uh, that would be fahrenheit for our non-us listeners uh mainly my family (laughs) uh it was yeah so i don't come back and be like oh well this tree reminds me of this or this house reminds me of this because we just don't have that type of setting here However, first responders, you went by so many houses up oh, three years ago. This happened here. Five years ago, this happened here. Um, we, we talked about one event that you had mentioned on the show a few episodes ago that we went by. And you could even tell me what the difference was that they've done to the house since that night. Um, mm-hmm. so, so as a law enforcement going in. I mean, you drive these roads, civilian, you know, you're, you, how is, how do you guys, or do you, are, are you able to keep that separate? Because when you're going down, you can, you remembered a lot and each one had its own traumatic kind of right. interaction. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird when I'm driving along and I say, oh, I had a hanging there. I had a shooting there. I had, you know, um, our other buddy officers that we were with at the hospital when he was like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the one that uh, right in the driveway, he, you know, committed suicide. And, you know, we've all had calls like that. And I don't know what the honest answer is. Um, Because from my, oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best answer I can give you is you just compartmentalize it and move on. 
you know, but then like every house you drive by, there it is, you know, um, and, and it doesn't have to always be tragic. Um, you know, there's another house that I could have took you by and been like, yeah, Ray Ray lives there, you know, but I didn't, you know, but it just so happened that the area we were in, um, I spent a lot of time in that area, uh, being assigned to those mm -hmm. townships or that section. Um, so I, in that area, I did spend a lot of time with the fire departments and the ambulances. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, you just kind of, you know, I don't know, I guess you kind of just move on. And, and it's, yeah. I mean, your area, how many square miles did you say you mentioned it earlier? Uh, Six. I believe it's 800, 816 I mean, square miles. Your area is fairly vast, even though you do patrol certain areas over and over, right. depending on where you're assigned. Um, then I got down, and I kind of brought that down to even a city cap um, in our small mm -hmm. communities. Because uh, you said each each city has somebody that is either assigned to them or works at the city or works in the township. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the bring that down even more, you know, they're, they're driving a smaller footprint and exactly. still having that, you know, they still have to shop. They still have to eat. Um, right. For those that don't know, we're very rural. Um, I always say you get lost, you find your way again, you get lost a second time and then you're at our doorstep because I mean, the right. closest city near to us that has anything major is, an hour in some cases, some places more. And right. Yes. So it's not like, it's not like Chicago where, okay, I work this district. I'm shopping over here. No, I, right. This right. precinct. precinct. I, right. I work this area and oh, by the way, I also shop in this area and, you know, and I'm sure right. that you have houses you could have pointed out that were better, but in general, you don't get a call for service for a house because they just want to serve you milk and cookies and say hi. Um, hey, I'm making an right. assumption here, but and, and just going by a lot of the places and seeing that, yeah, and, and I could see kind of the this is where the the therapist part of me comes out is I could see when we went by certain houses, I'm like in his mind he's seeing that incident right now you were seeing what you were seeing that day. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think first responders, people in, who are not in that industry, um, like Jared and I, you know, yeah, we've seen our own trauma. I have my own issues from the military, but I'm not there now. I don't have to drive by the place um, for instance, tomorrow right. I have my own anniversary. It was the anniversary death of four guys in my unit, but I'm not driving past that point. You know, I don't see that every day on my beat. I don't, I mean, I may see it in my dreams. I may see it, you know, in flashbacks or especially, you know, real hard today and tomorrow. Um, yeah, I remember those things, but I don't, I don't drive by it every day. But you guys, right? Yeah, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, especially when you realize that the one address was an open field, uh, right? <laughs> um, 
And that's one thing that never really impacted me as much as it did yesterday is mm-hmm. you, know, you guys see your trauma just like a veteran will, just like a some military will. But where we fly back home and, you know, we have that visual distance, geographical distance, if you will, uh, first responders right. don't get that. And, and then to learn... And I've talked to many different, you know, I don't even think John and I really brought this up. Well, maybe we talked about it a little bit off, off mic, but I know first responders do not have uh, the, and I'm not saying this about any one department, any one area, but you guys do not have the mental health services that you really need. <clears throat> no. And especially seeing Um, that yesterday, seeing call after call and watching your day go from, eh, this is pretty good to whoop, now we're here and now we're back down. Um, You know, and there's even a time you looked at me, we were talking about stuff and you're like, oh yeah, trigger warning. And you went into it and I was like, you know, this isn't just a trigger warning. You know, you said that more for yourself than you did for me because... I was hearing the story of it, but you were, you drive past that place. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I think the, the big need, you know, from a therapist standpoint that we really need to focus on uh, is for you guys to get the help you need, not because anybody's broken, but you guys deal with the broken parts of society. Yeah. Right. If you didn't crack, we deal with two yeah. percent of the population. Ninety-eight. If you of didn't the time. crack under pressure once in a while, I'd be more concerned about that. I'd be more concerned about the veteran who's in for thirteen years saying everything's fine. I have no problem. Work stays at work. Right. Home's at home. I would have more concern for Bullshit. him than I would for somebody that says I've been in thirteen years and I struggle with it every day. Because at least somebody notifies or recognizes that they have these issues. And, you know, then we, we got in it with Ken with secondary trauma. And, you know, I could just see yesterday, open my eyes a lot to where the breakdown starts. And, folks, I was only there for 11-hour and 59-minute shift. <laughs> no, I thought you... um, but we only you were, did... Right, only... You were 15 minutes well, late. Well, I didn't so leave... Pull that no, back about a little 14 bit. minutes after the shift. So. <laughs> <laughs> I right. tail ended it a little bit. <laughs> but it's like, and so then people are like, oh, well, you know, you guys are, are you can joke around after a call. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're not joking around. They're processing. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Infantry, first responders, or I'm sorry, military, first responders, um, we have a dark sense of humor. But we have to be right. It's our, it's a natural coping strat, you know, coping mechanism. And you know, I know we discussed a, a situation that you had on call, and I was like, yeah, that actually related close to what I had happened. And we shared, we swapped stories that way. We we're laughing about it. And I mean, you know, a normal person hearing that conversation would be like, these two need to be locked up in a padded room separately. I was sitting in the back. Back seat, watching you guys. <laughs> well, if you're in the back seat, you got your own issues already. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I'm not taking any advice from you in the back seat. <laughs> We're getting you to your own right. cell. 
Um, but it's just, um, I saw the humor that you guys had, and I felt right at home because uh, even in social work as a veteran and, you know, seeing what I've seen, you know, we even went past the place where I had that one accident I rolled up on. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I could kind of see a little bit of what you deal with. And I mean, just just a keyhole glimpse of the room that you deal with, because like, man, this is what he deals with every time, because I could see the guy laying in the ditch. I could see his the broken bones that he had. You know, I remember checking him for internal bleeding. And while I just mentioned, hey, this is where that accident I told you about. That was all I said. But I was right there back at that moment yeah and you right. guys going through all this and seeing that humor you know i i'm i'm glad you guys admit that you guys have an issue because at least i know you're being honest with not only yourself but those around you and you're able to joke about it so you're able to process it with each other um you're able to take that time right. on shift off shift to joke around about it and because most people, if they did what you guys did every day, they wouldn't be there for 13 years. And this was an insight that I very much appreciate to you, your department, everybody we came in contact with. I mean, except for me being the veteran, we covered the flag behind me. We met everybody. Right. right. Um, yeah. And just to see how you interacted was like, wow, this is, it doesn't matter if you just met the person. I mean, sure, okay, the rookie we gave a hard time to. Yeah, that's a rite of passage. Sorry, bud, if you're listening. Right. Oh, no, I'm not sorry. Sorry, I, Kyle. I'm not sorry. Um, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But it, it gave such a, a great therapeutic insight for me to see, you know, this is what you guys have to deal with every day. And I can see why first responders – deal more with trauma than most military people will. And that's why I was shocked. I know you've got one that said he was Marine, <clears throat> no comment, um, but he had just gotten out of the Marines and, and into your department. Um, you know, I couldn't imagine doing that and coming back and knowing just the what I saw and how it affects me and now being surrounded by it. Um, you know, this is, that's one reason why, you know, we started this. So you guys right. have a place where you can come and listen. Um, we'd love to get any first responder. If you want to come on here and we'll record, we want, we don't right. have to go live. We'll or if you just want to talk to any one of us, contact us. Um, let others know that we're, we're doing this uh, and so they can come and listen too. But it was just, I really do appreciate. I have a lot better appreciation um, I mean, I respect you guys, you know, <laughs> I respect the world out of you guys and what the job that you guys do, but now I have a greater respect seeing it firsthand for just a small 12 hour shift of what right. you guys do and go through every day. Well, you know, and that's, that's kind of the big thing too, is because, you know, I started my last project and definitely this project because I'm advocating for mental health. Um, as a veteran uh, that retired from the Air Force, you know, when you know as well as I do, when you go into the military, you go through the whole process at, at MEPS, the Military Enlist, uh, Entrance Processing Station. Um, 
I mean, literally head to toe and in the shadows, you know, uh, they make sure you are 100% ready and physically able to come into the United States military. And it, it, you know, you're, you're not, you're going to the same doctor, no yep. matter what branch you're in, right? We're all in this room together, army, Navy, Marines, air Corps, air force, maybe a coast guard, um, but, you know, we're all in this room together, and they're making sure you're 100% physically and mentally able to, to join the United States military. And then whether you do four years, six years, or 20 years, at the end, one of the things that you do is you go to another doctor, and they kind of evaluate how messed up yeah. you are. And, you know, whether you did four years or 20 years – you're almost always going to be compensated for something, right? They can't get you back to that 100%. And this is a whole oh, other yeah. struggle that I had when I went through the VA process uh, to get my disability rating was, it's like, man, you know, uh, a local guy, uh, Travis Mills, mm -hmm. if anybody doesn't know him, he is a local guy that's a quadruple amputee. Um, and if I recall, recall correctly he's the only quadruple amputee that has survived, survived. i th think okay there is there two, two now he was a second but okay yeah yeah okay it was I'm so like you know when i see people like that you know yeah i'm in pain every freaking day and it hurts like you you like it's mm -hmm. just my new normal right i i can do this you know it, it hasn't stopped me from doing my job yet but it's definitely there every day and what I had to realize was it's not because of my disability per se. It's because after my career, I am so broken that they can't get me fixed. So they're compensating me for how much, you know, they rode me hard, and put, put me away wet, right? They're compensating me for that. They're compensating me for me for my career. So now when you take that to a first responder, and I'm including dispatch, and I'm including my last responders, uh, which are, are some of our medical examiners and coroners. They're there, you know, lastly. Um, even our fire marshals. And I also include people that, uh, like, obviously, our detectives, but prosecutors that, you know, a lot of times these offices give you, let's say, Jared, you are our sex crimes prosecutor. All you do for your entire career is prosecute yeah. sex crimes, whether it be a one-month-old child mm. or a 98-year-old woman. That's all you're going to do. How long can you go right. before that shit starts messing you up? You exactly. know? Yeah, that's, I mean. So here is someone that, you know, anticipates putting bad people away for a long time, but they're allowing themselves. You get attached to these victims. Right. You hear their story and you're like, oh, my God, you know, and now you you're personally invested in putting that bad person away. Right. But we can go a whole 20, 25, 30 year career and we get nothing. Right. At my agency, there was a time we lost mental health care. We didn't have anything. That was on you. Good. Now, we've gotten it back, but as, it, as I've explained before, our insurance is good but not great, right? 
Uh, it takes care of my family. I can I, I get paid well enough that I can take care of my family and my co-pays. That's not an issue. But my concern is, and this is nothing against my union. I am a union rep. This is nothing against my agency. This comes down to the not only the bean counters, but those that are in powers of positions across this nation that we experience things in our communities that we live and work. If it comes down to a decision of paying to go talk to a health professional or making a car payment or a cell phone payment or putting my kid to college or putting food on the table, mm -hmm. guess what's going to happen? I'm not going right. to see a doctor. <laughs> and I shouldn't I should not have to make that decision. It's not my wife's fault or my children's fault that my job, yeah, I chose it. I knew what I was signing up for, or did I? And it's not their responsibility to make sure that I'm whole and wholesome, right? That kind of falls on your employer. If I get hurt, I break my shoulder, I break my leg, uh, a car hits me, right? It's on them to fix me. Mm -hmm. It's workman's comp. Now, there is starting to be case law in the nation that says PTSD is a workman's comp claim. Uh, where that goes here in Michigan, we'll see. You know, uh, But it is, I am advocating for better health care for all in the first responder, including those that I uh, added, uh, network. Um, because although I'm fortunate enough that I get paid very well, uh, for, especially for my area, unfortunately, uh, some folks in my medical first responders are been, getting paid crap. You know, these when you talk about raising minimum wage, and I promise not to talk about politics here, but when you're talking about honest legislation that you're ready to pass to make minimum wage $15 an hour, I want you to understand that the next time you call 911, that EMT or paramedic could quite possibly right now be making mm -hmm. less than that. So tell me again where mental health falls into the welfare, health and welfare and morale of first responders. Yeah. So yeah, when I say I'm passionate about this, I can't emphasize that And that's that one enough. thing that I've noticed, and, and you know, I'm a, I've admitted on here I'm a podcast-aholic. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of right. different podcasts, and the number one thing that I hear, and you and I have talked about it, is you know, you'd think all you do is see trauma all day. I mean, any one of those actions that we got yesterday could have been a DOA. I mean, especially. Actually, the second one we went to, just because of the, the way that the accident happened, I, I'm not going to describe it. That, that should, that should have, have been, been a double yeah, fatal. There should have been pieces. Um, just it was that severe. Because um, I remember both of us kind of had the same look at the pickup and couldn't believe that we heard that the everybody was out of the truck. Um, yeah, but so you right. see that every day. So you would think, from my standpoint, you would think you guys would have, at a minimum, an annual or biannual trauma assessment done. When was your last trauma assessment mm -hmm. done? Yeah. Never had one. And that is one thing that I, especially after, again, one day. I was there one day. I don't know everything. I learned 
so much about that industry, but just the little bit that I saw, I am shocked that you guys shouldn't have one at least once a quarter. And just to be able to say, and now again, this is budgeting. This is stuff that we were talking that are going to take years, millennia to change. But just just to have that fact of everything, you know, the next call, you don't know what it's going to be. Just not knowing you guys should be, hey, you know what? You're, you're, you're angry a lot more. You're, you're losing your temper a lot more. You're, you're showing these signs. Let's kind of pull you back and just do this assessment, give you some, you know, and again, I don't know, desk duty or some sort of light duty, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that's not the answer I can come up with right now, but just pull you back and say, Hey, let's take a week, see how you do next week. So when we, right. When we talk about ending the stigma, um, and I, and I have to, I, I've, I've done it on this podcast before. Um, I have to give props to my, my employer. All right. My administration, um, I'm just going to refer to them as one and two. And they, they have bought into the trauma uh, awareness. Um, Cause I mean, they know they, I mean, uh, my one boss has been in law enforcement 40 plus years. Okay. He knows. He knows it's important, uh, and he has supported me in creating the uh, SISM team and, and things like that, uh, but it just, the stigma has always been, if you say something, say, hey, I have a problem, it's a problem. Give me your gun, because I don't trust you. Give me your badge. So the one thing that I do show up and do every day very well, you're going to take from me. (laughs) The one thing that that holds me together, right? You're going to take that from me. No, that's not it. No, and that's probably – oh, sorry. Um, So they – oh, you're you're fine. Uh, And and so that's that's part of the stigma that I'm talking about. It it is such an old-school way of thinking. Um, uh, Now, look, I'm all about tradition. Uh, that's from the military side of me. I'm all about tradition and core values, but stinking thinking, you know, has to, has to go, man. You, you cannot, as hard as it is to find officers and and it was refreshing. You turned me on to a new podcast called roll call mailroom, um, with Nick and Mike out in New York. Oh, actually they're Virginia, but they may have worked somewhere (laughs) in the five boroughs. But, um, you know, they, they, they said they can't even find like a, a, more corpses voted in the last election than they can get applying for a job. Right. There's just, nobody wants to, it's not the cool thing anymore. And it's not the cool thing. It's not what, what, what's appealing. What, what do you want me to put on a commercial? Hey, experience several traumas a day for the next 25 years. I'm not going to give you mental health. I'm going to give you adequate funding for to you know live comfortably in a rural area not in a metropolitan area where they're at and and you know you can have a family and you can have a wife that you're never going to see she's first one's probably going to leave you because she's just your practice wife the second or third marriage might be the one that sticks around you're going to pay child support for 18 years for the first kids that you'll have and leave with the first wife why would anybody want to be a cop 
And that was one thing that I was, you know, I know we're low on time, but that was one thing that I wanted to touch on. We okay. can go over. True. It's we're going to go over it's here. We do what we want. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I will say, I, uh, <laughs> Juliana did put in the uh, comments something that we can talk about. Uh, that can make a whole nother episode. Uh, but what sure. a trauma assessment is and the purpose of it. Okay. Um, on a, on a yeah, new that one. And we probably spend. Uh, I'll touch on it in a minute. But I want to don't want to lose the steam from what John was saying either was, yeah, you said your first, second, third, um, yet marriage, this is not, this is not a family friendly job. I personally know oh, hell no. first responders, and I don't think we've ever talked about this, John, so this doesn't even include if you're you've had this but i know first responders who their family says i can't take the stress you know they were put under protection because of uh a b and c situation uh and now he was a, a cop that was in the uh, inner city down south and you know there is a i've talked to another one that had a bounty on his head for a while until he finally said i can't take him where i gotta go and he was a good cop um right I mean, because the bad ones don't get the bounties. I, I hate to say that, but no. if you're doing your job, well, you're ticking people off. If you remember, you're, my... you're holding them responsible. And you just, you've got all this going on, but no support to back it up. And like a trauma assessment, right? Um, I don't know, write that down for another idea of a podcast, Jared. Um, it looks like he already has, uh, but the trauma assessment that goes in and, and you, you start out with a baseline and you get that baseline and says, okay, to you, this is normal. <laughs> this is how messed up you really are before we send you into all of this crap that you're going to see It's up here. I like, I like this way because then I can, I can keep going. If I go this way, I, I start, I might pull something. <laughs> So here's where you're messed up. This is how messed up you are. You give it a year. Um, and, you know, I, I've said this before. I'm in foster care. We do a trauma assessment or a trauma survey, but we assess the trauma that these people have been through because we want to see how the kids are progressing. Now, they'll take that baseline, and your next trauma assessment is gonna show okay you, you're little few points higher okay to be expected okay so here's what we recommend at this point hey why don't you just go into a group just talk and but the one thing you mentioned that i just remembered was if you come in and say i've got a i've got a problem i'm struggling Okay, let me see that gun. Okay, we're just going to clear this, set this here. Oh, and the badge? We're going to need that too. And I've heard this on different podcasts and talking to different first responders that in even medical and um, I'm sure dispatch. I mean, I, Amanda, we will have you on. I, can, uh, I will have questions for you with maybe a double episode. But um, firefighters, police, whatever your risk of losing your job because, oh, well, now he mentally can't take it. He's broke to us. Toss him. And that's not what we're right. trying to do. We're, we're correct. You want, you're at 13 years. Okay. The goal of any place, halfway. you're halfway. <laughs> the goal of any company 
is what 15 20 years for them to have an employee work for them yeah so why are we why are we yeah. saying okay you want to get yourself fixed so you can continue in this job but we're going to take your gun your badge we're going to set you on a bench because now we don't trust you well as a first right. responder john if they said that to you they took your badge and gun we don't trust you because you came to us how is that going to go with your trust? And I'm saying general, not for your organization. You know, we don't have a lawyer to read through this, so I'm trying to think of this. Right. But how is that for your job? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 bad. You don't have that's, a badge. You don't have a job. That's basically. bad. That that. I mean, doesn't correct. That, doesn't and if that you encourage somebody, if you don't have as well, I mean, wouldn't that encourage somebody yep, to yeah. hide the issue? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that's the stigma. I'm fine. I've you gone know, through my um, fifth divorce. I have uh, you know, child support. Right. Kids. I'm financially um, I have unstable. No money. And right. you know, my house is getting foreclosed because I can't pay it. I, I'm in substance right. use because I can't handle yep. the stress. So I have to turn somewhere. You're basically doing for substance use. I mean, I'm not saying every cop that's having a struggle is on substance use no right. not at all but you're basically forcing them to search somewhere else and then you remove their mental health i mean when you first told me that right. i i think it was in a text message because i had to put the phone down because what i wanted to respond was not going to be nice and not like anything we do is nice anyways <laughs> when we're messaging back and forth but um right. i <sighs> That, that just completely shocked me because here we're telling, we're giving you a badge and a gun. We're trusting you for the service and protection, but we're not going to have your back. And that's what surviving danger close is. You know, I want to have your back. The only way that I know I personally can have the back of our first responders is, hey, reach out to me. I, I will work with you on somehow. I have an organization that will allow me to see you. And we'll work something out because I would rather talk to you guys. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is the, the suicide just for the first part of this year um, is uh, for first responders is astronomical uh, compared to years past. And I think last year, one report I read was the first responder suicide was the highest it has ever been. And you're talking not. 11 you're talking Correct. detroit riots mm -hmm. you're talking you know race wars it was the highest it had ever been because and one reason sure okay blame covid but no the one reason is we're gonna have you do all these calls you cover over 800 square miles sometimes you're the only car you are are the only one that has seen a hundred percent of the trauma in an entire county for 12 hours that day and yet we don't assess to see how you're doing when you come back and that's what the trauma assessment does is it steps up and say okay hey he's he's getting higher in some areas it's not that we have to take his badge and his gun because right now that job is the only thing keeping them together it's Let's get this guy right. some group help. Let's just you, get this guy some individual help so we can keep him for another 13 years. Right. And, and something real quick, too, is like, so it's it's even an, 
some people don't understand what that badge and that gun is to to a law enforcement officer. And science has proven it. It's in our policy and procedure. It's in policies and procedures across this nation. God forbid I'm involved in an officer-involved shooting, right? Now, we all understand that we're going to lose our gun, right? Because now that gun is involved and as, on, as evidence. Let okay. me interrupt. That means and if it's clear-cut, 100%, you had yep. no choice in the matter. You're go- Just for those that are not first Correct. responders, if he pulls his yep. trigger at any time, that is now evidence. On, you're basically, I mean, I want to say you're innocent until proven guilty, but they have to match that. That's right. another Where episode. But right. it doesn't matter if that right. guy came at you with a Gatlin gun and you had to fire one shot to, to end the situation comfortably for you. Your, bet, your gun is taken away. I just want right. that to be let. It doesn't matter for any reason. That gun's taken. So, right. Sorry, John. I just want to make sure they knew. It doesn't that. matter. Once you pull, that's cool. That's cool. I'm you. Know, Jared usually does that, but whatever. So um, yeah, it's the gun's immediately taken, uh, and it's and it's spelled out black and white that you know the the on scene supervisor or you know officer in charge at, at that scene, um, obviously because you're not in charge of it anymore. Uh, so the officer in charge or supervisor at that scene takes your, takes your weapon and secures it. Okay. Cause like I said, that's evidence. One of the very next things he does, he or she does is get you a replacement weapon. Now, now why is it because you're going to get into another involved shooting? No. In fact, you're probably going to have two or three days off minimum. Okay. With pay. But, you know, we have to be cleared. We, investigations need to be done. We all know that. We expect that. In fact, if you're a person that carries a concealed pistol license, yes. you too should also expect that. Um, so uh, they realize through science and psychology and just common sense that as an officer, I mean, when we got to the jail yesterday, did you happen to notice in the order I took my yes. stu- stuff yep, off I in? That. Like my handgun, my pocket knife, my magazines, and then I checked my, you know, another location that I carry a backup gun. All right. I didn't have it on me yesterday, but I'm I'm used to carrying one and I still checked myself. So as an officer, you know, we even walk funny, right? Our arms are kind of out because the the gun and the taser, it pushes your arms out science has proven that you need that back. That's a, that's a yeah. self you can, as a therapist, you can say the scientific your stuff, tool. but that's a security blanket. That's my binky. Okay. They realize, right. You know, I take it away from you. I'm going to give you another one back. It's okay. You know, um, it, it just, that's part of it. You know, it's, I, there's so much into this, man. I, I can't even break it down in, in tonight's segment. But, you know, I just want you guys to understand that, you know, if we need help and we're coming to you, clearly we're taking the first steps and showing, hey, I love this job. This is who I am. This is what I do. I want to keep doing it, but I need your help. So don't take it away from me because at the time that I'm out here on the street and I got to protect someone or myself, yeah, I know you're going to take my gun but you're going to give me one back. 
So if that makes Absolutely. sense and your therapist, mind, therapist <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's okay. The, the, right. Yeah. I completely get it because it is your main tool. I mean, you, you don't go a thousand, a thousand rounds with the taser just so you can, I mean, you know, we, we talked a little bit right. about that and, and all that, but uh, yesterday, but you go and you put so many rounds through your firearm, just like we would expect the military to go through. Um, you know, I can't even tell you the amount of rounds that I put downrange on many different weapons platform before I ever deployed, because at one time you need to be familiar enough where it's that, that training kicks in and, you know, it's not like right. you're playing hide and seek with your uh, on your fire. Oh, I'm going to put it on this side this time. Now let's see what my brain will do. Mm -hmm. No, you know right where it's at. You know right where everything is on your kit. I mean, you know, we did unfortunately. Someone uh, had to be arrested and and uh, put into jail that day. Um, you know, of his own choices. But it wasn't like you, okay, where did I put the handcuffs? They're somewhere. No, you didn't look. You pulled them out, and you had to make at least, I think I counted three different uh, unconscious movements to get your handcuffs out for that. And, you know, because you've got to be able to have that right there, right now. Because when you're knocking, even when you were serving papers, when you're knocking on that door, you've got no idea what's going to come through that door. And right. Yeah. So yeah, we joke around that. Oh, my finger will be above that orange button and I'll be ready to hit. But it's like, you know, that's how quickly trauma happens. And, you know, yes. for wanting to reach out to say, you know, when you're in an officer, officer involved shooting, yes, they're going to take your gun. You expect that because they're going to give you another one because that has to be used in the court of, you know, Yes. Okay. I 100% agree with that. But when they're coming to you for a mental health problem, okay, that's not the time to take their only security away. That's the time to say, hey, okay, you admit it. I mean, I've been in, in, uh, in the mental health field for five, six years now. Yeah. The first thing that I realize is the ones that are there because they know they have the issue they're the ones that want the help. If they're reaching out and you're pushing them back farther away, they're not going to come back again. They're going to fight to get their job and sure. prove that they're fine. And it's going to outlast them on the other side. Um, I believe uh, right. Mr. Strauss said it uh, earlier. Uh, when you hold it back, it comes back later. Couldn't say it any different. Right. Uh, you know, I, I often, you know, I guess I often wonder and am concerned about my friends that have retired like Mr. Strauss or my friends that are about to retire because as I'm driving around and I experience, um, you know, I've got another anniversary coming up here on Tuesday, uh, as I drive around and experience those things and I remember those things, even though it's a, it's a flashback and it, it, it's a memory, it also helps me um, recuperate or recover from it in a way, right? Uh, it helps me process that emotion or that, that incident 
Um, I don't dwell on it, um, but it does help me process it. I shared with you uh, yesterday some of my, you know, um, second thoughts on on my incident and things like that. The natural part of the um, recurring uh, recovery, I guess. Um, but and this is if one of my retiree friends or co you know listener could maybe chime in. I have a way to keep busy. I always have another call. I've always got this to do. I've always got that to do. I am scared to death to retire. Not because I'm not sure if I can afford it financially, but all those things that I maybe have never had an opportunity to process because that's stinking thinking old school stuff didn't have mental health because yep. it meant you lost your gun and possibly your job because that was the stigma. How are they coping? That is why I feel the suicide rate is through the roof is because people get out of this job for various reasons, right? Maybe it was a bad incident. Maybe it was uh, bad leadership. Maybe it was, you know, uh, defunding the police, whatever nonsense you want to come up with. Um, but now they're out and they don't have a way to process it and they have nothing. And those demons come knocking on their door, and they have no way to do it or to handle it. And the next thing you know, they're making a conscious And it could be somebody that never once thought of it while they were wearing the badge or, you know, whatever. They're doing uh, corrections, dispatch, EMS, any first responder. They may have never, ever have thought of it because you always had that right. next call. Even when you're off shift. You know, you were telling me, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, yeah, well, we got to follow up on, on something from the shift before or something, you know, you, you already come in with a plan right. of what you're going to hit first. If you've got, got the time, unless you get called, your first yep. thing was if we get a call for service right away, then, uh, you know, we're not going to go drop this off. We're not going to, you know, this is, we're going to go where the call takes us, but we're able to, we had a slow, slow start. Um, but you have that. And right. said something about it being slow because it wasn't slow the rest of the day. No, we never no, did. I, I, I knew better. I promise um, we didn't. <laughs> I wanted a slow day. He said, prepare to be bored. And I said, well, <laughs> what are our chances? He says, not much. And, <laughs> but it's like, I would like, like to see, <laughs> just thinking on it now and seeing uh, Paul Strauss up there, he's uh, green with us. He said, boils up and hits you hard. I would like to see the uh, the retirement suicide numbers. We we know the active duty. You know we track that. I oh you do okay yeah, yeah if you don't mind send it to me because I'd I'll like to, to find them. The the therapist yeah. brain is working right now, uh, just to see because you know you've got <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's not like they say okay take you know for the next week or for the next month you're going to work three days a week instead of four. And then after that, you're going to work two days just to get you into it. No, it's here's your final call, badge, gun, done. Your identification, it's not, right. you know, maybe Mr. Strauss can, can, can uh, ask this or answer this, but, you know, it, it's, it seems like all, all of a sudden your identity is ripped away in the polite way of retirement. Because it's not like you could go in there. Right. I mean, you could probably go into the, the, police department and joke around with them and a call for service comes on 
it's not like anymore you could just jump in a car and you know hey i'll help you on this call um right yeah no because once that last court is done you know you're no longer identified by something you've been identified for so long sure you know and and that's like so i, I mean obviously i have friends that are retired um you know, I was obviously at one point a junior deputy or junior officer, and now I'm the senior, you know. So obviously others have come before me and have left, and even though they're gone, I still address them as, you know, what they were, you know, uh, whether it be a sergeant or, you know, lieutenant. Um, you know, I just seen, uh, an old road commander that I had had that had retired and you know what, it was still sir. And it was still Lieutenant, you know, it's just, that's, that's who they are, you know, right. That's who you identified them as, you know? And so it's, it's just crazy, yeah. crazy yeah. to, to think that someday it's because to you, they're gone. still in their mindset, but you know, they're no longer have that identification. Everybody else. Sure. The people, you know, there's guys that I, no. I used to, that I served with, um, yeah. You know, I, I see him every so often on Facebook or something, and I still find myself, you know, hey, staff sergeant, oh, wait, you know, because that was what I knew him by. That was his title. And right. Yes. Same here. You know, I mean, even, even my gamer tag still says sergeant. So, I mean, you know, it's 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 part of me, but, you know, very, very few, you know, some of my old I didn't know they had call me Sarge, but, gamer you know, it's, tags it's just pong. weird, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Asteroids. It's intense, man. It's intense. But, no, I think uh, I think today's episode got us a lot more conversation for later episodes too. Yeah. Um, but again, oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. Uh, I definitely want to do one on Steve, leadership as well. Um, again, when we do the leadership one, we may pull up where the Steve comes from. But uh, yeah, roll call room podcast. They're they're one that we've just got into. Um, for those of you that are still in or right. even retired, but if you're in any type of leadership, um, listen to the Road Call Rooms podcast. These are free plugs for them because they're so huge and we're so tiny, they don't care about us. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And, hey, they, they even, had, yeah, our, right. they even yeah. had our buddy Bill um, Young on their show. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're grabbing, Bill, we're grabbing Young over. shirt tails and we're just <laughs> riding in. <laughs> um but yeah they uh they have a couple great great episodes on on leadership phenomenal um but yeah we need we'll be doing some of our own um you know i'm we don't mention any departments but uh those that uh i've seen a couple names pop up those that i was on shift with yesterday uh thank you so much especially john thanks for putting up with me um the uh um, yeah, there's a certain, um, may or may not be called Shakey's food truck. Oh my goodness. There's a reason why every department that comes through this area stops in that parking lot. Um, so if you see police cars, yeah, if you right. see police cars sitting my there man, eating, Kevin. uh, for food, you, it's okay to go there. <laughs> right. Hey, and just a shout out from my boy, Kevin at, at Shakey's, if you are a first responder, uh, or you military, go. you do um, get a discount. Maybe we'll talk to him about sponsoring an episode. <laughs> or at least, yeah. hey, 
if he even wants to do a burger, <laughs> I'll eat that sucker live. There I don't go. care. <laughs> that was phenomenal. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah, when, when it's not so right. cold out, exactly. we'll, we'll do a live from exactly. the truck. And there we go. We can do that. Um, but yeah, thank you to <laughs> yeah. the to your department, John. Uh, I know you're for your lieutenant for sign off. Yeah, that absolutely. really gave me insight. Um, it, it kind of. Not that I was losing the passion for our podcast, but it did kind of add air to that fire to keep it going just because, you know, just seeing oh, yeah. the reaction and, and what you guys deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's something I knew, but seeing it and watching it that day to me was spectacular. So I really do appreciate it. Um, dispatch, the corrections that we went through, uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, EMS, nurse, fire department, uh, you guys are doing great work. Keep it up. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some stuff that John, I got to talk about, but there's some stuff I'd like to do. Um, you know, but, uh, appreciate it. It was a great time. Um, you got anything, John or Jared? Uh, this was a good episode. Uh, I think we covered a lot where the metal meets the meat. And uh, it was fun. It was fun. Because I, I am passionate about what I do. And uh, I will say that my passion uh, has led to the downfall of, of me a couple times, leading me down that road where I get uh, uh, compassion fatigue or burnout because I am so passionate about what I do and helping people. Um, you know, I know that I've had several dispatchers tell me that they like it when I'm working because they know that if something's going on and I'm close. They know I'm going uh, (laughs) much to the chagrin of others, (laughs) but uh, I don't mind. I don't mind helping. I love helping people. I love building networks and uh, helping out the people that pay my bills. You know, I mean, they, they're taxpayers, man. I owe it to them. And uh, for the people that uh, always say, thank you for, for what you do and thank you for serving, man. I always tell them it is my pleasure. Because there are a few things that I enjoy doing more than than this job. I, I am just grateful that I have the opportunity and still have my health uh, yeah. to do it. So um, all right. that's Thank all you, I got. Jared, why don't you take us Thank out, man? Uh, news to everybody on here now. I also have our podcast up on Spotify. So if anybody wants to listen to the audio on Spotify, we're on Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And uh, I'll have the have this uh, live recast up on YouTube sometime in the next two weeks. Everybody good? Thank you, everybody.